Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to, or welcome to, if it's your first time, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to this virtual cool kids table. You know, I started this podcast a little more than five years ago uh, and now over 500 episodes because I've learned one thing in my career, and that is success leaves clues. So I knew that if I got around successful people, were able to ask them questions about what they do to succeed, they couldn't help it. They'd have to let me and the rest of you who are listening, they'd have to let us know some little nuggets, some ideas, some theories. Uh, They couldn't help but to just leave little tidbits, little crumbs behind that would help motivate me and y'all to grow my business. And so that's why I started the show. I thought I was going to do 50 interviews. Uh, We're well over 400 interviews and 500 episodes because sometimes I just talk uh, without a guest. But over 400 people have now crossed through. And I'm really excited about today's guest because I like to eat. Now, I used to weigh 30 pounds more than I do now. I don't eat a lot of sandwiches anymore, but when I eat sandwiches, I like me some Jersey Mike's subs. And today's guest is the Senior Vice President of Coaching and Culture for Jersey Mike's. Uh, in fact, I just had one in the Orlando airport the other day. Uh, don't, don't tell my fitness trainer that I had myself a nice traditional sub sandwich. Uh, anyway, he is going to be our guest today. And I know just from a few seconds of chatting with him before we started, we're going to have some fun. So Keith, it's uh, Hurtling. Keith Hurtling, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh, no, it's you're in trouble now. <laughs> we've got I'm glad Keith. we found each other. And <laughs> we've got Keith in the house, and that is awesome. So, Keith, I don't read like the long bios that your PR people send. And I'm sure if I went to the Jersey Mike's, uh, I'm sure if I went to the Jersey Mike's website, there would be like this huge bio about you know everything that you've done that makes you so great. I don't do that. Why don't you tell everybody who is Keith and and what do you do? Holy doodle! Well. First, I'm going to back up and say, I don't care about your fitness trainer because I used to be a fitness trainer. So, you know, you got to have a body day every now and then. But if you're <laughs> Spoke, Jersey spoken Mike's, like spoken like a true Jersey Mike's employee. Eat the sub. Eat the sub. That's it. Yeah, we, we just like the people that just to taste the sub because once they do, we know they're coming back. But who am I? I'm just a guy that grew up in a, in a little town that uh, just happened to grow up with a guy that's a billionaire right now that started selling a few subs and. Now we have, you know, 2,000 stores. So you actually went to high school with Jersey Mike. I went to high school with Jersey Mike, whose name is Peter Cantrell. Yeah, I know. I, I, it one. cracks me up that is the, <laughs> the, 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 the person who grew the company was named Peter. And well, Mike. you know, the history is pretty easy, but uh, it yeah. wasn't Mike. So he bought the sub shop when he was 17 years old. Nice. It's a pretty cool story. Nice. So you, you were actually on your way out to the, to the West Coast to play football in college, and you stopped to drop somebody off. I think I read your book, so I remember part of this. I think you might have been like in Kansas, and you pulled over, spent the night, met the football coach, signed on with that school, and never completed the drive across the other half of the country. That's true. I was pretty tired anyway of driving. You know, that was back when you can only go 55 back in the 70s. But yeah, no, that was... Uh, you know, our gym that we had in high school, we actually put a gym together. I think Malcolm Gladwell was writing his book, Outliers, and we didn't know we already put our 10,000 hours in. But we had Popeye's gym, and we had the personalized tag. 
And I dropped this guy off at Benedictine College late at night. We almost ran over a monk, a monastery on campus. And when he saw our, our license tag in the front, he said, son, I like your tag. Pope, yes. And that caused for pause. Later on, I learned that's divine providence. And uh, we just I just never left. Had breakfast with the coach and, uh, and wound up uh, having a, an amazing year, amazing life there. So, and then you went into the fitness business after college. So what, so you went to college and you did the college thing, you played some football, then what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, coaching was in the blood and teaching. So did that for a few years and then finally just said, you know, if, if you keep in, in the coaching world, if you're good, you got to move. And if you're, if you're not so good, you got to move. <laughs> and so after about seven years of moving, it was, uh, in all great successful, uh, life lessons of going, you know, but finally got out to do my own thing and it was to actually fulfill a dream of of really doing a, a Popeye's gym on a big scale. Nice. So how long did you do that? I wound up doing that for 20 years. Okay. And then somewhere along the line, you looked over at your friend who had bought a sub shop and now had a bunch of sub shops and you bought a few franchises. Yeah, it was uh, you know, I sold all the gyms and said, you know, it's time to it's time too young to retire. Let's put the money where the mouth is and, and buy some Jersey Mike's. They were just starting to grow back in 2000. And there's about 200 stores. And so was, nobody was in Kansas. I'm living out there with my family. So I was like, you know what? I'm from Jersey. I can do this in Kansas. And, uh, and loved it. Best move ever made. Stayed. I had three stores and ran them for 10 years every day. And then finally, uh, Peter kept saying, you know, let's get back. Let's get back. I need you back here. So. Here we are back in Jersey. So I have a question. You grew your Popeye's gyms and you sold those. You started them from scratch and grew them. And then you bought into a franchise. As an entrepreneur, what's the difference? Oh, uh, there's a big difference. Yeah, there's, there's a definite big difference. When, when you're in a small business, you're, you're, uh, you have a great advantage, I think, because you can make decisions quickly. You can move quickly. You can move you know, past your competition if you're, if you're decisive. Uh, in a franchise, you've got to follow the rules. And so uh, I always followed Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, mantra, break the rules, not the laws. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we break a few rules here and there. But really, the franchise now from the office, you know, it, the, we have systems at work. So if you're buying in, uh, you know, we, we've got you covered. So having done both, do you think it's a different mindset for an entrepreneur? I mean, I've, I've never owned a franchise, but I've always thought a franchise is a great opportunity for a lot of people. Do you think there's a certain type of entrepreneur that thrives in the franchise model and a certain type of person who thrives sort of being independent? Or do you think that it's all the same? I think it's generally the same. But what you do see is, uh, you know, we have franchisees that will buy one or two stores and they're content with that. And you can make a nice living uh, with our model. But then you have really the, the visionpreneur, the entrepreneur who, uh, who wants 10 stores. And we have several with 20, a few with 40. So when you get on that scale, now you're talking, uh, you know, you've got a multi-million dollar, you know, you can go, I mean, you, you've got to manage that. So as someone who sort of carved his own path in life, what do you like about the lifestyle of being an entrepreneur? Well, I think if you look at uh, most of the entrepreneurs, and I've been studying in my entire life. They, they have three things in common in my mind and everybody gets up early and, you know, for opening up gyms for, for 20 years, you're up at 445. That's, uh, that's pretty normal. So that's in your DNA. Everybody reads and, uh, you know, coming, coming out of Benedictine college, living with monks for a, a good eight years. And, uh, you know, that's just part of your DNA also. And then really it's, it's, uh, the other thing they all do is give, 
And so, you know, those three things, uh, that, that's part of, in my mind, the uh, entrepreneur spirit. And if you can find a vehicle to do that in, then, then you've got it made. So what advice do you have for somebody who maybe is listening to the show? <clears throat> and the reason that they listen is maybe they have a corporate job. Maybe they feel their ladders against the wrong wall. And they look around and they see their friends who have started their own businesses and they think, I want to do that. Or maybe they want to buy into a franchise. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to make that leap? Well, I think you have to do your homework. Obviously, that's that's a no-brainer. But um, what we see is we rarely go outside of our company anymore. Uh, we don't see guys coming. We have a lot of guys coming to us, but we're saying, you know, we don't we don't actually sell franchises. We award the franchise. Mm. And we're seeing 80% growth from our franchise. And they've already kind of tasted their own vinegar. They all kind of know the culture and what we expect. But I think when they come back to our school, before they can graduate, they've got to, they've got to spend a week with us at our leadership camp. And I think once they learn really what our culture is, then they, they're, uh, they're locked in and we know we've got a winner. So you guys actually look to like store managers and other people within your, within your family to look for people to open up new stores and become new franchisees. That's sort of a, a, a recruiting area. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's an old Jack Welch uh, strategy from years and years ago. And it just seems to work for us. And we're getting young kids that uh, are starting their careers. We call it the stay program. And that means sweat, years, and tears. I mean, there's, there's, if you, if you, uh, if you want to, essentially, if you come into our franchise, you do your homework, you do the work, you can, you can get a store. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what advice do you have then for those young employees who work for you, who have stars in their eyes of, I want to have a store. What do you tell them to do? Well, we tell them uh, they've got to get into our leadership academy. And so what's happening is we, we have a lot of young kids that got a lot of a lot of vision, a lot of dreams, but they just don't have, you know, they don't have the backgrounds. They didn't go to college. They don't have the, you know, they didn't take any coursework. Uh, we help them with financial P&Ls, you know, personal P&Ls. We help them understand what a CRM is. We understand, we're going to teach them some of the skill sets they have, a lot of the soft skills that you really need to, to be successful. And I think uh, as one of the leaders on our leadership team, just going to a liberal arts college and being pretty well-rounded, I think it's pretty, pretty well the attitude we look at and say, look, you know, you're, you're going to be in a store most of your life, but you've got to really live in your community if you're going to be successful. And I think that's true. I mean, if you're running a small restaurant, you know, like a, like a sub shop, or if you're a, you know, a consultant or a trainer, or you've got a fitness thing, or you're a lawyer or an accountant, I always think it does come down to being involved. That FaceTime still matters. Even if, even in a world where we've gone so digital and likes, links, shares, and follows and email blasts and all that stuff, I still think that human connection matters. How does it matter in, in the world of, of Jersey Mike's? Oh yeah. You're right on there, my friend. It scares the hell out of us, this, uh, this third-party delivery stuff, because we, we, our whole model is based on the experience. You're coming into the store. We're going we're gonna to throw roast beef at you. We're going to be shaking that oil and vinegar all over, making a big mess. And, I mean, it's, it's part of the show, but it's part of the urgency. It's part of, you know, that, that connection. Most people that work in the store, most of our customers, and by the way, we have the highest loyalty base in any fast casual, hmm. but it's, they, they, they come in for – it's like the cheers. It's like your own church. But now they just, you know, this whole thing of just coming up and picking up your sub. I mean, we're doing it and it's been successful, but we're, we're looking to the future to say, okay, we're not going to kiosk. We're, we're going we're gonna to figure out how we can still do this. 
I don't know if anybody listening is getting hungry, but I'm I'm trying to uh, <laughs> I'm trying to fight the urge to end this interview early and drive over to a Jersey Mike's. So, well, you know, as soon as you give me your your contact, I'll give you uh, plenty of precept cards. Awesome. At nothing, number nine. Nothing. At number nine for lunch. It's it's still coming. You know. Nothing. Nothing like nothing like a free coupon. That's my favorite. Ask my kids. <laughs> the only thing I love more than my kids is free stuff. So that that's awesome. <laughs> Who doesn't like free stuff? That's right. Everybody likes free stuff. So one of the things I do, so I make my living, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I make my living as a professional speaker and corporate trainer. So I go into companies like a Jersey Mike's if they have like a franchisees meeting, or I go into law firms when they have a partner meeting, or I speak at large associations. And my main topic is called the paradox of potential. And what I do is I've examined this gap that exists for people, not just entrepreneurs, but everybody between potential and performance. And we get so excited about potential. You hire Becky into the company and you think Becky is so great. And a year later, you're transitioning her out of the company. Well, if she had so much potential, why didn't she work out? Well, there's a lot of things that hold people back. And when you have a team of people, everyone on that team has their own stuff going on in the background. So it's not, there's not like magic fairy dust you can sprinkle to, to solve everyone's problems because everybody has their own stuff. So I ask the people who come on this show, why do you think that First of all, let's admit that there is a gap for many people between potential and performance. But why do you think some people are, are, are able to get farther across the gap while some people just fall into the abyss? It's a loaded question for me because, you know, as a coach and as a coach for 40 years, um, you know, it's a vocation. It's not a job. And people just need to be coached. I mean, I love going into to our leadership camp and just saying, who's, you know, who's better, LeBron or you know, all you have to do is say Michael or LeBron, and that starts a firestorm. And really, I usually just say, you know who should be better? You're never going to figure it out, but LeBron, because he just hired a new visualization coach, and that gives him five coaches. Michael had four. But what I've seen is that, and I look at, at I've got about 20 guys in the field that we look over, and we're just constantly trying to make sure that they're doing the right thing, coaching them up, going over coursework that they haven't had, Stephen Covey's habits, uh, you know, Dale Carnegie stuff. I, I, I want to stop motivated. you right there. The life-changing book. So I'm, I'm in my mid-50s. If you go back to when I was 25 years old, brand new, best-selling book that was out there was Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's the only book I've read three times. And I would say that it holds up today. I think that it is a life-changing book. So anytime anybody no, mentions I, it, I, I have to jump in. No, I'm glad you did. You know, there's, I, I can't say, I can't reiterate uh, anything more I mean, we still teach it i just actually taught it yesterday the seven habits in our class but uh i've seen i have a daughter who's 30 who teaches it in in uh, in second grade i mean <laughs> I, I had no idea you could do that but he has programs for that but those are i mean any just you know cubby's habits just teaching the habits and making sure people understand the, the habit what it is how how the mind works uh we're trying to we're trying to really teach a well-rounded kid not just you know how to make subs so then what happens? Why do some people not get across the gap? Some people just get stuck. How come? Yeah, I think they fall through the cracks. Either they just don't fit in. Um, they might be uncoachable, as we say. Mm. You know, we have a little formula. Do they want the job? Can they do the job? If that's the case, well, then let's coach them. You know, do they want the job? No. Oh, okay. Well, can they do the job? Yes. Well, you know, if, if you can't, if they can't change, well, then, then we've got to move them up and over. So you bring up people who aren't coachable. I mean, as a coach, because you started off co coaching football, and then you've been coaching people forever and ever in the in the in the you know as an employer and as a as a member of an executive team. How come some people are uncoachable? What causes that? 
Well, it comes back down to uh, the psychology of change. You know, you, you've mentioned that paradox. Can people change? I love asking that question. And everybody's very optimistic. Yes, they can. And, and usually we say, no, no. You know, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do have my neighbor is. And he tells me people don't change. And, and that is unless, and then you have to underline unless, they really want to. And it comes down to that want to. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a huge, you know, teaching the why is, you know, you've heard that psychology, uh, different models that we use. But uh, it, it reminds me back, a, a coach that one time, one of my stops was at KU with Roy Williams, Roy Williams Hall of Fame coach now at North Carolina. And he used to get in the guy's faces and just really, he'd spit on him, not really trying, but he'd yell at him and say, son, you know, you got to have want to in that draw. And a little spit might come out. But really what he was saying is, you know, if you don't really want to do this, then you got to get out. Well, I even find that in the world of podcasts. A lot of people are like, how did you get over 500 episodes? Well, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy meeting people like you. It's like I said, it's, it's little nuggets of information I get along the way. I want to do the podcast. And now I've found ways to monetize it a little bit, but it never was about the monetization. It always was about, you know, becoming a better interviewer, uh, being able to get people to open up and, and, and share their stuff. And I had a friend tell me the other day, because I'm getting some attention. I just hit my fifth, 500th episode and it got me some local attention and other stuff like that. And a friend said, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't think it was luck. It's this was this was a five year plan to get to number 500 and see what it meant. But I don't think it was luck. No, it wasn't luck. Uh, and another restaurant guy, Ray Kroc, had a good saying, you know, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yep. And I think uh, and just even just, just thinking about Ray Kroc and, and that, uh, you know, in that genre, I think if you look at entrepreneurism and you look at um, Peter Cancro in the next few years, you're going to see uh, his name. With some of those uh, guys like Ray Kroc and Dave Thomas and, and some of these, uh, I mean, it's a billion-dollar company already that was started really from scratch. Nice. And it's going to answer your next question. <laughs> well, we'll get there in just a second because I've got more <laughs> questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, uh, as all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Keith Hurtling. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things. And check out the offer that they have for the listener of this show. So, Keith, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest things yeah. you're doing in business right now? Well, I can tell you uh, the coolest thing I know is we actually have what's called a day of giving. So in our franchise agreement, if you get anybody that's coming aboard, they have to agree and sign off that on one day, which is usually March 30th. It's actually the month of giving where we're actually taking proceeds. But on one day, we're going to actually give every nickel that comes through the door. And so you're going to give that to your local charity. We've been doing this for the past 10 years. I think we're over 7 or $8 million at this point, which for a little sub shop is uh, fairly that's, significant, I'd say. But That's huge. Um, we've, seen, we've seen stores now latest. In fact, one of my old Kansas stores uh, – did it last year, and they, they took in $20,000 in one day and gave that to the, to the charity. 
So I think you'd enjoy watching the TED Talk that I had the honor to do last year. So last year, I got the opportunity to do cool. a, te a TED Talk. It was actually in Kansas. It was in, in Kansas City, Kansas. I, I did the, my TEDx talk. And it's called The Art of Giving Small. And it's the story of how when I became a professional speaker... 14 years ago and started going into companies and associations and speaking. We just took a little percentage points. Every time I got a check, a couple of points went to two funds uh, at Children's Hospital, one Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas, where we live, the other one in San Diego, California, where our daughter had been operated on when she was an infant. There was no Dell Children's Medical Center 17 years ago, so we had to look beyond Austin to find the state-of-the-art doctors and state-of-the-art hospital. So we started giving little percentage points. It was a part-time gig of me speaking at conferences. And all of a sudden, it became a full-time job, and we kept doing it. And I tell the story of how I never gave a big check. It was always $50, $75, you know, $300, just these little checks over the past 14, 15 years, and it's now added up to over $70,000. And I, tell, I call the name of the TED Talk, The Art of Giving Small. Because you don't have to be rich or huge to make a difference. But if you took every Jersey Mike's and everybody gave $5,000, $10,000, that day, that's a lot of money that impacts the greater good in local communities. So I love that story you told because it fits right in with my mantra. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'll, I'll use that TED Talk. Um, love that. Yeah, you can go and to... That's, that's what we see. You, we, can go to we, Tom we Singer, you can go to tomsinger.com slash TEDx, and it's right there. But uh, I, I will tell you a little tidbit that I told uh, the last guest, and that is that if you go to tomsinger.com slash TEDx, my video is there, and it's nice. But if you go down farther on the page, my daughter did a TEDx. She was 15 years old, and she got invited to do a TEDx youth program, and her video is way better than mine. Wow. Runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just said when she was asked to do it, how hard can giving a speech be? Dad does it. Ooh, well, yeah, yeah. you see, you lead by example. That, that's right. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is your book. So you talk about the cool things you guys do, but let, let's, let's go back a step. Tell us about your book. Well, you know, everybody's got a book. I mean, it's, it's just you got to get the pen out. And I mean, if you're coaching for 40 years, you know, I probably read, 20, 25 books a year. I mean, it's, I am a reader, you know, probably did more than that years ago, but I just got tired of reading the same leadership type books and just decided, well, you know what? I've got an audience. We have 2000 stores. We, we've got, uh, they don't know the culture. A lot of us, a lot of them don't know the culture. I wanted to give back some kind of form. You know, I'd always try to give the monks a little bit more money. And I thought maybe the proceeds from this book might be uh, a way to do that. And then the third thing really was to help promote a little, foundation we started and called it you before me trying to keep uh, autistic kids at work nice and so that's kind of the threefold way but the book is really just a story um it's just my story with coaching stories peppered in everybody loves stories everybody coaches love telling stories and then a few uh a few you know fish stories in there too but then you're going to get probably a third of the book is is uh some leadership information that you can you can utilize in the in the stores and in any business. So, what's the name of the book, and how do people find it? Well, that is life lessons on coaching culture. You can get that Amazon. You can go to keithhurtling.com and uh, have a lovely little website there that uh, has lots of little reflections in there and videos of of that we use for training and and uh, different. Uh, I would say there's there's some different things you don't see there. Poetry that's uh, that's not something you normally see in a leadership book. 
Nice. No, I, I read it. It's a quick read and it's a nice, the one thing I loved about it is there's so many people out there who write a book and it's just a big information dump and you had some good information and really good lessons about how you coach and how you, how you identify, you know, uh, the positives in people and in life. But the one thing I liked is it really told the story arc of what you went through in life and how you got to where you are today to be that senior vice president of Jersey Mike's and everything that you did. And I think that when people can, you know, open up a little bit and share their, their journey, the truth of their journey. Uh, I think it makes for a much better story. So I liked the book. I thought it was great. That's why I invited you to come on the show. Well, you know, you have a fine eye, my friend. <laughs> yes, that, absolutely. No, that was, uh, I was just channel surfing last night and just happened to catch Denzel Washington was getting an honor. And I thought it was, uh, you know, I'm not a big TV guy or movie guy, but I mean, always liked that guy. Saw what he did and it was like, wow, this is, this is probably the coolest thing I've seen in a while on TV. And when they gave him the award, and I don't know where it was, but it had thousands of people in this, you know, huge arena. But he said, you know, I, you know, I love my wife. I love these people. But I want to play a 30-second video of my father-in-law who has passed. And this was the advice he gave us. And, you know, it was a pretty eloquent. The man was probably 90 years old or so when, he, when they took the video. But he just said, you know, people are looking for their purpose. And you don't kind of look nowhere for your purpose. Your purpose is just helping each other out, caring for each other. Don't you know you got supposed to? God told us we have to love each other, <laughs> and it was a very heartfelt thing. And that, that was it. Denzel let it go like that, and it was wow. Yeah, that makes a difference. I think I think those little powerful little stories like that can help uh, motivate people. Uh, absolutely. So I love to ask the people who come on the show when it comes to the world of entrepreneurs, sort of the entrepreneur sphere. Who do they admire? Because I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And I mean, Keith, we could talk about you and your book, and you know your trajectory in, in business and your coaching for hours. However, I love to know when the guests on my show come on, I love to know who they look at and say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff. Well, yeah. And I got a, I, I've got a, a long list that I look at. And in fact, you know, you can, I found a while back uh, a, a website called billionairebraintraining.com. But before that, I've always been a fan of Gates, Buffett, the, uh, what they did with the giving project. I, I just, I'm glad you gave me a minute on that because nobody knows, you know, I mean, people like me know, you know, but I mean, these guys all had a hundred billion dollars and essentially they kicked in 90% and Gates and it was, and it was, uh, there was probably 10 guys that started us off with it, but Buffett was the one that really got it underway. He, he loved Gates and trusted Gates and what they've done with this money. I mean, you're talking billions of dollars that they didn't need. They, they just put in this foundation and anybody can write a grant. Anybody can ask for help. They've funded grants, thousands of grants, but essentially what they've done is eradicate smallpox in, in Africa. I mean, they've, they're taking on huge, huge projects across the world that are making a difference. And they're not, they're not spending billions of dollars. They're actually affecting billions of people. And so that, that gets your attention. You want to know more about those guys. You want to know what they're reading. You want to know what they're thinking. And so that, uh, that to me is intriguing. And then I have one other guy that I, I love, just, uh, who's just kind of a radical guy out there. He reminds me a little bit of my buddy Peter here, who's our founder, but that's Laird Hamilton. I don't know if you've heard of Laird Hamilton, but he's, he's one of these wacky guys. He's probably the greatest surfer. surfer. Yeah, I was going to say, I grew up in Southern California. <clears throat> and so uh, Laird Hamilton, he's a surfer. Yeah, and his, his, his wife was like a professional volleyball player or something like that. That's it. That's the guy. But, you know, no nonsense. Um, made a few uh, small movies along the way. Really didn't care about the money. 
is a waterman by by trade as he calls himself and just love that you know growing up on the, on the jersey shore and swimming in the ocean but what he's done he's invented some amazing you know tools in, in the surfing world surf some of the biggest waves anybody's ever you know no one surfed the waves he has but then uh but then just really lives in his community as a normal guy in hawaii and just you know ha- lives the life that uh, he chose now, now you got me wanting to have Laird Hamilton on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So I've, I've written his name down on the board of my wants. Well, he, he'd be great. And, uh, you know, I bought his – he's got several books out. One of them, Catch Every Wave. And I actually ordered that the other day for a buddy, and I hit the wrong button, and it came in. His, his, his DVD came in. And it was a documentary I didn't even know existed. And I don't even have a DVR player, so I, I had to go get one. And, and so I played the thing for fun, and it was really awesome. And just to see this guy would, would not take – I mean, he had a mind of his own, decided what he was going to do. And that's, that's a different angle. You know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes that'll burn you. <laughs> and, and he had some enemies along the way. But I think he'd be a good story to, to look at. Yeah, I've written his name down on my, on my wish list board now. So, Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I got to know more about this Keith guy. I need to know more. How do they find you? Well, they just have to come to Point Pleasant Beach. They can find me there. I'll be, I'll be running on the beach or, or swimming or, or doing a triathlon or just having fun with the family. But, uh, no, they can just go keithhurtling.com. It's, uh, it's a pretty easy website. You can contact right through there. Or, or just call Jersey Mike's, our, our, uh, our national office here in Manasquan. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I encourage everybody to go out and buy his book. And uh, if you're feeling a little hungry, go over to your nearest Jersey Mike's and order a number nine. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Tell thank, Keith sent you. Hey, thank, yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Any last words of advice for people? Well, as you know, good coaches don't give advice, Tom. They just keep asking good questions. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, Keith, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience... We wouldn't have a show. So keep coming back. If you like the show, do me a favor. Tell a friend. Most people who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do who I meet out in the wild, and it always kind of surprises me. I was talking to somebody. I was at a conference, and I was talking, and someone turns around. They go, are you the cool things entrepreneurs guy? And they knew I was going to be at the conference, but they recognized my voice because they listened to the show. And I was like, that was weird. But uh, every time I meet somebody like that, I always say, how did you discover the show the first time? And almost everybody says, a friend told me about it. So I'm always talking it up. Make sure you're telling someone else to listen to the show because it's the only way I'm ever going to grow this thing. Uh, And uh, keep coming back. We've got some great interviews coming. You can always go back in the archives. There's like 502 shows before this one that you can go check out. So uh, 503 shows before this one you can go check out. So do that. And uh, come back next week. We're going to be interviewing somebody just as cool as Keith Hurtling. And I know you're thinking, (laughs) how is that possible? How will you ever find anybody Mm -hmm. as cool as Keith? But we do it every show. Hey, also go out there, try something new, eat a sub sandwich. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.